Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Humans of Magic, the podcast that gets deep and personal with the world's best magic players. Are you tired of listening to the same old Magic the Gathering podcasts, Deck of the Week, or how some random dude won his local FNM? Maybe rules changes or yet another preview card discussion. Well, this is not that kind of podcast. In fact, we're going deep into the minds of your favorite Magic players. This is going to be a personal journey and a study in how they approach the game. Mindset, motivation, goals, it's all here. So sit back, relax, and get ready for a unique learning experience. Humans and Magic is available on iTunes. Please subscribe to the podcast to make sure you never miss a future episode again. Just open up your podcast app, search for Humans and Magic, that's Humans of Magic, and hit that subscribe button. And hey, if you like what you hear, please leave a review and tell a friend. I've also started a website to host all of this content. It's on humansofmagic.com. You'll actually find text transcripts of a lot of these audio interviews. So if you ever want to read the Martin Yuza interview or Jerry Thompson or some of these other guys that I've had on the show, please hit up humansofmagic.com. That's humansofmagic.com. All right, so today it is Martin Yuza. Martin Yuza is a limited superstar a Magic the Gathering Hall of Famer, and the most famous player to have ever come out of the Czech Republic. This was a very interesting conversation. Had been wanting to do this for a while. Um, he is obviously one of the greats in Magic, and it was just fun listening to him talk about stories about where he's been and how he approached the game and how he almost didn't continue playing Magic professionally at the beginning because it's tough for everybody. Uh, there's a lot of luck and variance involved that we often discount when we play Magic uh, at a competitive level. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Martin Yuza. Martin, how's it going? Hey, I'm, I'm good. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing excellent. I'm really, really excited because it's not often I get to interview a, a Hall of Famer and someone who is so accomplished How's your week been? Yeah, my week was okay. I, I just I just got back from the U.S. Two weeks ago, I flew to Denver to spend a week with uh, Rap Raptor, Sam Black, and Jerry Thompson. We drafted, played some standard. After that, I went to the Team Grand Prix in Providence, which was also sort of a preparation for Worlds. Uh, played with Corey Borghardt and Andrew Beckstrom, and then I played Worlds like this past weekend and just got back home yesterday or two days ago. Awesome. Are you usually traveling and somewhere else other than home? Uh, I think I'm away from home about a third of the year. It's mostly just for magic, but sometimes, sometimes there are, you know, two events in consecutive weekends in like the same area. And in, in that case, we try to usually, you know, schedule some nice, sightseeing trip or maybe like you know go to something that i normally wouldn't be able to go to so yeah about a th about a third of the year i'm i'm usually gone from from home okay i see where's home for you right now it's in Plzeň in the czech republic it's like the the beer that is very popular the pilsner urquell beer that one is brewed in the city where i live that's the city that, that or like that, that's the one thing that we're famous for. 
we only have like two hundred thousand people, but this is this is the brew, this is the beer they they make here. And, and do you drink the beer at all, or? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I do pro- probably a little too much that I should, but. Is the beer super inexpensive and accessible because it's where where it's brewed? Pretty much, basically, yeah. It is also like the the prices here are you know very different from the U.S. So here, like a lot a large beer is like one point five U.S. Oh wow! Okay, so it's actually on the same price level as water, or maybe cheaper, depending on how you look at it. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. What are kind of things that you like to do when you're when you're at home when when you get a chance to be back home? Uh, I don't do too much. I usually just try to relax. You know, I watch some TV shows. I go with with my friends, with my girlfriend, spend some time with my family. You know, th- stuff like that. Go to the movies. You know, play some something like soccer with my friends. A little bit of everything. Can you just start off by telling me a bit about where you grew up, your family, your siblings, your parents, just anything that, uh, anything that you want to tell me, basically? I grew up in the same city that, that I'm living in. I've been living in the same apartment for the last 20 years, maybe more than that. Yeah, I grew up with my mom. Uh, I have no siblings. Pretty, pretty unexciting, to be honest. I guess the one the one difference from from today is that you know we grew up without cell phones, internet, Facebook, and all that. So like I spent most of my childhood just like running around the 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 neighborhood playing you know soccer soccer on the soccer field here and and just 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 being outside basically. I see. What did your mom do? She had like a few different jobs, and now she runs a like logistic kind of company. Can you tell me what it was like growing up where in your hometown where you are right now? Are there certain things that you might tell somebody who has never visited before? No, I don't think it's different from any other place at all. Like, I don't live like downtown. Like, this the city is not too big, so if if I walk, I can walk to the center of the city in fifteen minutes. But I'm I'm on like the edge of the city, so it's mostly quiet here. You know, parks. You know, like a soccer field here and there, uh, schools. So, you know, like a quiet neighborhood, just hanging out with my friends most of, most of the time. Nothing, nothing too special. Okay. Did you have any interesting childhood memories at all or any stories of growing up? Were you a good kid? Did you get into trouble? Just, just curious, you know? I actually don't have too many childhood me- memories. I don't know why that is, but I don't remember anything up until I was like 10 years old, which is weird, but it, that's just how it is. And after that, I think I was a normal kid, like, you know, the, the normal kind of trouble, not like straight A's and, you know, no trouble at all, but like exactly enough to be like a normal person, you know, some kind of trouble, but not, not too much. What were your favorite subjects at school? Like, what did you, did you enjoy anything in particular about school? Uh, I like math, English, but other than that, not, nothing in particular, in particular, I wasn't a very good like student because I wasn't really interested in most of the things they were trying to teach us. I see. So were you a competitive person growing up or did it just start happening for you once you got in touch with magic? Yeah, I think I'm just naturally competitive. So, you know, it, it started just as a bunch of kids just, you know, playing a bunch of games with cards that they just discovered. You know, magic, we just play it for fun didn't really know, know the rules but once we 
once we got a little better and we started going to tournaments, I didn't want to be the guy that just, you know, keeps going 1-4. One, one so naturally, I just became more and more interested in doing better, in, you know, reading articles and, and asking the, the better players, you know, how to, like, improve my game or what they're doing differently and stuff like that. Was it a natural progression for you to learn magic and then go into tournaments? Is that just what everyone was doing, your, your friends were doing at the time? Yeah, I think so. I mean, some of them were also interested in, you know, going to a pre-release and going to like a standard tournament. Some of them didn't. Some of them were just like, hey, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cool casual game, but I have, you know, different things to do on, on a Saturday afternoon. So for, for some of us, it, it was, and we started playing more competitively and some of the people didn't. Uh, so around how old were you when, when, when you first got into Magic? Actually, I think that Wars' block was when I started playing, but my like my first actual like my actual pre-release, my first pre-release was like Odyssey or something. So like at the beginning, it, you know, it, it was just a bunch of me and my friends just just playing cards at school during the during the breaks. But our actual first tournament was, I think, the Odyssey pre-release. I see. So when you first started playing casually, uh, what kind of cards did you actually play with? Like, do you remember much of that? beginning at all i think i had like a green deck with overrun and i went three four and then my friends were making fun of me that i that i couldn't win more with overrun which was obviously one of the most 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 busted limited cards other than that i don't remember too much okay so there's a bit of time between odyssey and urza's destiny like around how old were you when you first started with odyssey i guess we can find out pretty easily when when odyssey came out it was September 2001 which means I would have been 14. Yeah, that's just that sounds about right. I think I think the Orza block was just about when I was like 12 and my pre-release might have been yeah, when I was like 14. That sounds about right. Yeah, for like a year or two I think I only played like a lo like you know lo lo local tournaments. Sometimes I would go to Prague for something slightly bigger, but I think my my first GP was two years after the the pre-release. The first one or two years that you, you, you started playing Magic, how did you form your identity as a Magic player? And what were some of the most common mistakes that you made? I think, you know, the, the kind of mistakes all the new players do, like I would build my deck wrong, I, would, I wouldn't pay you know, enough attention to, to, to having a good, good mana curve, I, I, I would play probably too few lands. Yeah, you know, the usual kind of stuff. I don't know, I, I don't know if there was something... You know, specific for for me, probably just a little bit of everything. What like once you make a mistake, you can learn from it, and then you don't you don't do it again. That that's how that's basically why we practice for 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 tournaments is it's to to make the mistake, but in in practicing and not the tournament. So I think I just you know learned learned all, all the situations, things things about my deck or my decks or whatever. I was just I was just I was just just playing, uh, reading, you know some some articles which obviously at that time it wasn't like CFB and Star, and Star City games like like we have now but I think I, I remember maybe that was not in the first two years but I, I remember the first few articles I read were like on a Czech MTG server so the the information was not like you know world class but it, it was at least something and I, I think I, I remember having the, the, the magazine sideboard in our, lo in our local store. So I think I was able to read a little bit of that too. 
which usually had like information from, from from the most recent tournaments, pro tours. Some of the some of the the top pros would would write like deck guides on the on the next day they played at the the, the latest tournaments. So a little, a, a little bit of that too, and you know I, I started talking to the to the better lo- local players that, that that were able to to teach me a thing or two. Like how did you start understanding the the importance of of practice? Well, if you if you want to get better at something, you need to practice. It's not like you know you become a the best football player in the world by just sitting at home and and watching TV, right? Like everybody needs to to practice whatever the thing they're they're doing is. So that's just like a natural thing that that happens, I think. Also, at the beginning of your Magic career, who were the most uh, influential people that you played with or practiced with that helped you get better? No, just like some of the local players, like some of the players from my class. Some of them were obviously better better than others. Some of them would would understand the rules slightly better. Like I'm from a small small town, so it's not like you know you would you would know if I told you the the names. You're a professional full time Magic player. At some point, you you decided to become that. Can you walk me through your process of how that happened for you? I just like Magic as a game. It was interesting enough that it kept my attention for a long time. I also played a little bit of poker, but after some time I, you know, when I went to some of these magic tournaments, I obviously wanted to do better than than, get, than getting that dead last at, at all these GPs without buys and everything. So after after I played my first Grand Prix, which was in Prague around 2003, the next year I played like three Grand Prix and just just naturally wanted wanted to do better. So when there was like a Grand Prix that was close enough so that we could drive to it. I would, you know, put together a car with my with a bunch of my friends, and we we would go, and we would try to to do well. We would, you know, prepare together. It wasn't great at the beginning because obviously, you know, we were we weren't very good. But I think if I'm looking right at my stats, at my third GP, I got 12, and that was good enough for for some cash for five hundred five hundred dollars. And I think that just got me hooked. I was like, "Well, this is this is cool. I can go to a Grand Prix, you know, during the weekend, and and maybe maybe if I do well, make some money." And there's a lot of players that that you know play all these pro tours, and you can win more 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 at these tournaments. So I think I was hooked hooked right right after that. Even at that point, did you have any any long term goals in mind? Not in my first year. Once I started doing better, which was a few years after that i think i won like i think i won my second nationals which qualified me uh was it this one yeah which qualified me for worlds in san francisco so that 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 was pretty exciting i also played i think i played my first pt was 2003 in new orleans i wasn't very good but it was you know it was nice to be able to go go to the u.s to play a, a magic tournament and then after that i would qualify for uh, like one pro tour and one world every year for worlds by doing well at, at nationals and for a PT by just winning a random PTQ. And I think five years after my first pro tour, I had a pretty good season when I played all four pro, all four pro tours. Like at the first one, I went 11-4, which was good enough for a top 16 finish, gave me eight pro points, qualified me for, 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 for the next one. At the next one, I think I lost the last round playing for, for top eight. But still finished 11-5. That gave me some more pro points. Qualified me for the next one. And in Berlin, I top-aided 
uh, got some more pro points that qualified me, qualified me for Worlds, and at the end of that, I think I made it to like the level seven, which was seven seven out of eight, which which meant that uh, once you paid your flights, and there was like a two thousand two thousand dollars appearance fee or something, and that obviously was a was the start of of all of this. I'm trying to understand, like maybe around 2003, 2004, you already had seen some early success. What was going through your mind at that time? Is it just I want to play Magic, or did you already think about I think I can do this full time? I don't think I was thinking about it as playing full time. I was probably good enough to win a PTQ every now and then, and then just like make it to the PT. But at the PTs, I don't think I was very very successful. My first four actual Pro Tours, I don't think I even made day two. And the four worlds I played before the first, you know, full season, I think I made money exactly once. Clearly, I was good enough to win a local PTQ, but not not good enough to, you know, play with the the big boys at, at the at the PT where people just had better decks and you know there were teams with preparation and and you know actual tuned decks. We did some preparation too, but it was still in the years of where you would get your decks from, like a magazine instead of you know having a team group on Facebook where, you know, people share decks and you get to see all the new things every single day. How did you go from that to, to being more successful in the, in the pro tour? Like what were some of the specific things that you tried to do after the first four or five? Like maybe I just got better over time with like having more experience. And obviously the first, the first pro tour is, is different from the ninth one. You know, the first one you're more more nervous and you make more mistakes and, and stuff like that. So maybe it just it just took me some some time to actually start start playing some some decent magic. You were cashing. You said you're good enough to win a PTQ. Obviously, it's not enough to pay for the flights that you had to the U.S. or to travel and things like that. How were you able to to basically fund all of the the magic traveling? Was it from was it from a day job or something that you were doing on the side? My parents paid for my first ticket to my first pro tour. After that, I also played some poker, so I was able to get some money out of that and just pay with the poker winnings to fund, like you know, going to Grand Prix and stuff. Also, for Worlds, uh, we would just always get some money for, uh, like, from Nationals. We, we would always get like a plane ticket, so that was good enough to to pay for that trip. But for the pro tours, you guys would always get like a plane ticket. But in Europe, we would always usually just get like a box and a handshake. The price support was not always that great. So the first few Pro Tours did, did need some outside funding, yeah. Because I would imagine that for a lot of Magic players, and I'm assuming for you as well, the travel costs can really add up. It seems to take an unusual amount of dedication to the game to want to do this for the first couple of years and, then, and even now full time. So... Did the thought ever cross your mind to do something else? Was it just like magic, magic, magic? It did, yeah. Like the first like four years, you know, it was enjoyable to to go to you know to, to the U.S. or to Japan or you know so, somewhere overseas for a tournament every now and then. But clearly, when you look at my first few results, I was not winning any money. So to continue doing that, I would need to start doing better. So after the first like you know three four years. I was like, well, maybe I'm, you know, not supposed to do this anymore. And I think I was like de- deciding to maybe just go back to poker or like go back to school or do something different. I think that that was around Worlds in New York, which I think was 2007. And I was like, well, we'll let's just see how this tournament goes. 
and I think from there I I had like a decent finish and made some made made some money that qualified me for the first PD of the next season. And I was like, well, I'll just go to that too and see what happens. That was like the, the, the breakout season where I just did well at every single Pro Tour. So that was the the turning point where I was like, well, maybe I'm not good enough to to keep doing this. And maybe I should just, you know, re- reevaluate what to do with, with my life. But fortunately, the next four Pro Tours, I just won a bunch of money. So so maybe maybe if, if, if that, you know, turned out differently, then I, I would not be here today still playing Magic. To me, it sounded like that was the the time that you were closest to leaving the game. When you entered those events, was it like a do or die mindset? Like, what's going through your mind as you as you went into those events? Uh, not just that, you know, not that I had, not that I had, have to do well. It's just I would like to do better. I'll try to prepare better, and you know, let's see what happens. But I wasn't like. If, if I'm not going to do well, my life is going to be completely different. I'm just going to be like, well, maybe I'll, you know, go back to school. Maybe I'll keep playing poker. And it just happened that, you know, I enjoyed the, all these, all these, all these PTs more. And I started winning more and I started preparing better and it just, just, just happened. I think I, I also probably just, you know, got, got lucky. And, and <laughs> that's also a, a, a big part of that. But after that, that season, uh, I, I I didn't miss a single pro tour or or basically any important tournament. Did you really feel like looking back that it could have gone the other way or? Yeah, probably. You know, I don't re- remember all the games or like that one exact moment where I drew the land that I needed to cast my six mana spell or something. But the difference between going ten and six and and twelve and four in a PT is is not that big. You know, sometimes. Sometimes you keep a two lander in game three and you don't draw your third land in limited and you just get mana screwed and, and you, you lose your third game. And sometimes you do draw your third land and, and you know you, you go from there and, and the difference really is not that big. But four, ten, six, sometimes you don't even cash and with with twelve four you usually sneak into the, the top sixteen for four five K. So it's a big, big difference in terms of money and pro points. But when you think about it, it's just it's just two different win win wins or losses, where you know having having an extra land on turn three can go can go either way. But is it fair to say that for people who have played enough, like if you play in enough pro tours, then eventually your your real skill is going to come out, right? Oh yeah, I mean you can just look at people's you know lifetime win percentage, and then that obviously disregards. You know most of the most of the luck if you if you have a good enough sample size. Obviously, uh, four PTs per season is, is not is not too many, but there are also GPs, and that that also kind of makes up for a higher variance. There's a lot of traveling that you've done as part of your professional Magic career. What are your favorite cities that you've been in as part of playing Magic? The top two or three that come to mind. Uh, it's not exactly cities, but I think the, the the three most favorite places that I've that I've been to, uh, right this year or the, yeah th- this year we went to after PT Nashville there was a GP in Santiago in Chile, and we went to Easter Island, which was one of the one of the 
probably the most awesome place that that I've ever visited because it's just this you know this re- remote island far from everything with all these weird statues and a lot of mysteries around it. Uh, plus it was it was also it was also really nice weather and there was like a ni- nice beach so we spent we spent uh, five really really enjoyable days there. Uh, other than that, uh, one of the one of the other times we went to Machu Picchu with a bunch of the CFD guys, also between GPs. And the third most favorite place was there was a GP in Sydney that Tifka and I went to. And after that, we decided to do some traveling and we booked a uh, flight to Vanuatu and went to like an active volcano and spent like a night on on like this small island with this volcano and that was also also one of the one of the most 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 interesting places that I've that I've had a chance to visit okay so you said active volcano yeah was there some risk involved there or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we had to like sign a, a waiver that we went there on our own risk and I think it's if I re- remember that correctly, I think it's the most accessible active volcano in the world, or something. It's just different. I don't know. Like normally, you don't get the, you don't get a chance to to see an active vol- volcano, right? So we just decided to do that. <laughs> so how close did you get to it? Uh, we were on the what's the word on the edge of the the rim. Is that the word I'm I'm looking for? I think so. Did you see the lava or something? Was it? Could you hear? Yeah, 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 yeah. We- we were able to see inside uh we saw the lava and like the the bursts of of lava flying uh flying in the air was this some kind of dare that you had with your friend or you just no it was just like hey you know what are the the interesting things we can do here in in fiji we we got to see like all the nice beaches and all the places where they they shot all the all the famous movies but this one was like, hey, what do you guys have, have here? And they're like, well, we have, we have an active volcano. You guys would have to like take a tour and fly to a different island and spend spend overnight. We're, and we're like, well, that, that, that sounds cool enough. This is, this is exactly why we did this kind of trip. So we decided to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. And in all these three different places that you've been to, are you typically traveling with the same folks? Is it the CFB team? Are there particular good friends that you you tend to tag along with in your travels? Uh, I mean, it's different. It's a it's a big group of people, and it's usually different people most of the time. But I think I did a lot of traveling with Shuhei, um, a lot of traveling with Frank. The rest was mostly just different kind of people, but all of them, like, you know, someone would do, do one trip, some some other person would, would do another trip, but it's not like I travel all the time with just one one person. Got it. These are all people that professional magic players, like like Shuhei, is he, how's his English? I mean, are you, do you guys communicate just fine or? It, it's good enough. I mean, it's... It's not on on the on on the level that you would be able to just like talk about everything, but if you you know if you just use simplified English, you can just just talk about whatever you just need to talk about. Like for for magic, it's it's it it, it it's good enough. For uh, the normal life kind of things, you need to simplify it and have like a simpler simpler conversation than you would nor- nor- normally have. But it's it's fine. 
do you guys talk a lot about magic all the time or is it like normal stuff or, or is it a kind of a combination yeah it's just a combination i mean it's mostly magic obviously but but it's a it's a little bit of both oh i see so even when you're like next to the active volcano you guys are talking about limited drafting strategies <laughs> or late the cards or something i mean not a, not you know not 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 at the 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 edge of the crater but you <laughs> okay. know on the way there you know we would talk about hey you know next week we're playing you know a standard tournament what are we going to play and and stuff like that is it difficult to get visas to all the countries that you have to travel to is that something you have to do a lot of planning and work to to get uh we only need visas to china russia and for the U.S., we only need the ESTA now. I actually have a ten-year visa, but but you you need you need the ESTA to go to the U.S. And other than that, we don't need we don't need visas to most 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 countries. I think we need we need a visa to like India, but that's that's the one the the only only really uh, important country that I can think of right now. I see. Are there still places that you? would like to go to but have not had the chance to uh there are actually <laughs> and just just this this january we're gonna go with uh with frank arsen we're gonna go on a trip to egypt Taj mahal in india and petra in jordan these 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 three places we're gonna go go visit in january which which were like on the top of our you know bucket list january was one of the months with with some free time between magic tournaments so we just we decided to do that so this is purely because they don't have magic tournaments in those places so this is purely for vacation this is purely for just 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 checking the world's wonders <laughs> okay but are you going to mix business with pleasure are you going to also play magic while you're there or no uh, probably not no i don't think we're going to play any magic when when we're when we're there has there been something that's really surprised you as you as you travel to all these different places, like about the people, about the cultures, about people that you're traveling with? Your perceptions of different cultures in the world have they changed at all after you've had a chance to to visit different places? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you know most of the places are similar and different at the same time. Like every place is is interesting because of something, but the the people are still still humans maybe some parts of the some parts of the world the people are like nicer and friendlier uh but other than that i don't think it's it's that much different okay cool how do you see yourself continuing to evolve as a magic player or your magic career uh i don't think i don't think it's gonna change too much in terms of you know the events i'm going to play uh, I would still like to win a pro tour maybe one day, but other than that, I don't think I really have like specific goals. I'm just I'm just happy that like I get to you know travel the world playing Magic. That's that's pretty nice uh, on its own, and you know getting paid to come to getting paid to come to tournaments is, is obviously more than more than I can ask for. So I'm just I'm just happy to be able to you know, have this kind of job. And for now, yeah, I'm not planning on, I'm not planning on, on changing that or not planning on, on, 
or not like really having like specific goals. Like I would obviously like to keep keep doing well and like you know being being platinum every year because that that's what helps uh, pay for all these you know for all the traveling and all, all, all the things around it. But other than that, I don't really have any specific goals now. Do you see the game changing at all, like the game of Magic or the tournament structure? Just wondering if you have any thoughts about that. Uh, I mean, the, the, the tournaments are getting bigger and the, the, the money prizes are maybe slightly, slightly bigger. Like, for example, for example at Worlds, you know, the first place finish was, was, was 100,000, which is, which is pretty nice. So maybe, maybe in terms of that, you know, things are changing. More, more players also play, play Magic, which is great for the game. The, the game grows really fast. Yeah, and like the 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 changes in, in the game, I think yeah, it's just the 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 same thing basically. Basically, like they they keep putting they keep putting more more money into it, which is which is obviously great for for the players. And I think R and D is is doing a pretty good job at 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 keeping things like balanced. And the 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 previous many draft formats have have been have been great and fun uh standard is also in a pretty good spot i i think maybe maybe not exactly right now after the the new set when people are you know only really playing you know three decks but there are a lot of things you can do uh obviously they 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 did they didn't do a, an amazing job with with cards like like emrakul and stuff but you know after sometimes so sometime they they were able to fix that too so i think magic is in a pretty good spot in general right now and and that just that's all that's also just just good for the for the players too now i know that you're one of the best limited players in the world recently on twitter you said some things about different limited formats and do you think that's in a healthy place and is it is it still fun for you to play that format yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy that the the limited sets are are different, but there are some things that are that are better for limited and some things that are, that are worse. The, the the previous few sets had had uh, things like cycling on on lands, uh, embalm as as sort of flashback mechanic, uh, a lot of mana fixing, and like all these things are are very good for limited because you know you have more decisions. Having having cycling on something like lands is is you know seems not not super important, but it gives you it gives you a lot of decisions in draft in deck building. Like sh should I pick this land over the spell that I'm gonna play? But I'm also you know I can also the land I'm I'm basically not counting in my my twenty three seventeen. Uh, but it's it's a card that that I basically get to put in my deck for free. There, there, there are a lot of decisions with, with, with that, and I was very happy with uh, Amoncat and uh, Our Devastation. Also, the previous set, I think, was was also decent, but Ixalan right now, I can't say I like that, that set a lot, because we went from, you know, having Cycling and Balm and, and Mana Fixing to having a set that basically combines all the bad things from uh, Gold Snap and Avacyn Restored and and Gore sets, and we just had a set where we just have a set where uh, there's no 
no mana sinks, which is which is obviously bad because you know every land you draw after your land number five is basically a blank, which makes people frustrated and gives them gives them an impression that they that they got unlucky because you know if you draw your eighth eighth land and ninth land then then you're just basically drawing blanks. Uh, there's also not a lot of mana fixing, and I don't know. This set just doesn't doesn't seem very well thought uh, for limited. Obviously, it's exciting for people that you have dinosaurs and merfolks and you know all that kind of stuff. But as far as limited gameplay goes, uh, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't seem to be a particularly good uh, limited set. Also, there is a lot of there's a lot of cards. Uh, like you know, spell pre- spell pre- spell peers and the the black five mana stone rain and demolish and demystify and, and like the green plummet, and I think there are way too many of those, which makes for a lot of packs with very few playables, which also translates into you know you can't stay open for too long in draft, and just try to read the signals and try to figure out which colors are are, are open, because if you do this for too long, then it's going to be really hard for you to actually get 23 playables, even if you figure out the the colors right, because the the packs just don't have them. You can just very easily end up, you know, having 20 playables because you just stayed open for for, for too long, and the last three cards in in your deck are just going to be really bad. And you know, for some people, they 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 like that 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 kind of thing, but I'm I'm not a big fan of that. It takes a skill. It takes skill away from ultimately skill and decisions away from from the format, right? Yeah, we had we had this conversation with a lot of you know great players at, at Worlds or the previous GP or like in our team forum, and most of the people I've been talking to are just just they 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 shared they shared the same uh, views mostly. Uh, basically, mo- like most of the time, most of the times I did well in this format, I feel like I got lucky when I like you know first pick like a Merfolk rare or like a Merfolk Lord or this this like v- v- Vampire rare. And I just just kept picking all the the the, the cards that that said vampire, and I was in the seat that was uh, that was good for you know being vampires, and I was just just, just being past all the vampire cards. But that's not that's not really you know that, that 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 doesn't take a lot of skill you know to first pick a vampire rare and then then take every card that that says vampire. That just you know that that that's just that's just something you do because you read what the cards do. But for me, limited is about you know figuring out you know which colors are are open, uh, trying to figure out you know what the person behind me is going to be drafting, what what are the colors that the person in front of me is mo- most likely drafting, uh, keeping in mind the the tricks and and re- removal spells that I'm passing so that I can play around them in the future rounds and stuff like that. And this this set just seems like. You know, fighting for playables and hoping that I'm in the lucky seed where I open something in the right colors, basically. Now, hopefully, it's going to improve. My limited understanding is that Wizards designs the the block or subsequent sets well ahead of time. So, do you think that these issues would get actually addressed with the one or two sets that are that are coming in the same block? I think this is the last uh, two set block. So there is, you know, another set that gets paired with Ixalan. But I have no idea if that's gonna improve it or not. I, I I hope so, but you know, who knows? Who knows what it what it's gonna look like? 
but it, it's it, to be honest it can be you know as bad as Exxon so I, I guess <laughs> anything better than that will be an improvement so there's nowhere so, to go but up yeah but basically yeah the, the bar is set pretty low it, it might just be the worst that I, I ever played I think like even after winning the the team GP in Providence which was the week before Worlds, even after that, I, I was not looking forward to drafting the set anymore because it just, it's just not enjoyable. And the fact that we won the Team GP doesn't change anything. That, that, that doesn't change my, my opinion on, on the format. So, yeah, it's not great. Is this a troubling sign of things to come? Is this a new kind of design philosophy, or is it just, or is it just an anomaly? I'm just wondering how you feel about this, because if, if they did this so badly, it must imply that they're optimizing for something else in their design. Was it just not play tested well, or I, I, I know you don't work for Wizards, but I mean, how? Uh, any, any, any thoughts on that? I have no idea. I, I mean, I'm hoping it's just one-time thing and the next next sets are going to be better i think this set was like one of the this set was like a transition set i think from like having new a, a new playtest team or something like that at, at wizards so maybe you know that was one of the reasons but that's just a speculation or you know i have no idea what actually happened or if maybe they they wanted it to be like this maybe they you know didn't want to have a lot of playables and maybe they wanted us to try something different after having you know one of the best best limited environments of all time i have no idea martin if there's one thing i know about wizards is that they they care deeply about public opinion and feedback from the top magic players so if, if you or others have stated this publicly uh have they gone back to you with any kind of reaction or or have they talked to you guys at all I mean, the people talk to us and, you know, ask, ask, our, ask our opinions, but it's not like we can change what they print or, you know, maybe we can change a little bit what they think. But as you said, they, they work on on uh, sets in a long, long time in advance. So they're probably, you know, right now they're working on like a set that's, you know, two sets after Ixalan. So I, I don't think that, that that can change by, you know, people voicing their opinions on, on, on Ixalan. Yeah, hopefully it would improve. What is something that you would tell yourself if you could go back maybe five years as a, as a Magic player? Is there something that you might have learned in the five years uh, that uh, you might tell a younger Martin Yuza from five years ago? Uh, I would probably tell myself to not be lazy and work harder. I think if I if I played more and you know practiced more and and worked harder, then I would have better results. But I just I'm just I'm just very lazy to to do that. So my preparation is usually not that not that great. So if I could go back in time, this is what I would tell myself. If somebody was getting started with limited playing competitively for the first time, if they ask you for advice, just some general advice, what would you tell? that person uh just you know read a lot of articles watch a lot of coverage try to get better by absorbing all this information that's available you know on the internet basically everywhere uh play a lot practice a lot and that's that's basically the only way to get better if you're looking for something specific the the one thing that i always 
keep telling people is, is if you're drafting and and you're deciding between two cards and you're not sure which one to take, uh, always take the cheaper one because mana curve is su- super important and expensive rares and like you know expensive cards are usually overrated. So the one thing that I keep telling you know people or my friends when they ask if there's you know one thing you can tell us about limited. It's that if you're deciding between two cards, you're not sure which one to, to pick, take the cheaper one. Cool. Martin, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk and uh, about your career and some of the things that are in the future for you and also about the state of magic or limited. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, I hope you, uh, you enjoyed it as well. Oh yeah, no problem. Th- thanks for having me. It was fun glad to to be uh, part of the show thanks again and uh, and take care all right thank you